ALT mentions podcast. Listen to Neil and Pip. We talk learning technology. Both Neil and I have had very busy weeks. We've been out and about at learning technology events. And we're going to dig a little bit deeper and find out what these events are and how they're relevant to being a learning technologist. So, Neil, what event did you go to this week? I went to the USIZA conference, which is a, it's a conference of IT professionals. Well, it's organized by IT professionals. doesn't mean that you have to be a, an IT professional to go, but uh, don't even ask me what it stands for. I don't know. It's, Should we have a guess? Should we guess? <laughs> could do. Uh, yeah. Go on. University Computer IT... S has escaped me. I don't know. Your turn. Your turn. Yeah. Anyway, it, it's something to do with digital capabilities. Oh, hello. Uh, okay. That sounds important. Is that something that Jessica talking about a lot at the moment? Yeah, they're, uh, they're developing um, a digital capabilities framework, in fact. So you've got, um, they've done 100 case studies, apparently, with that. And they've got... Um, a tool where you can use with your employees and our students if you want and you can assess their digital capableness if you subscribe you actually get a dashboard where you can look at all the areas that your staff are digitally capable well i really like that idea of the kind of personalized dashboard um i think that's really good actually um i was looking at that a little bit um this week um, the digital capability stuff from JISC. So it's not just a framework. They've really tried to help people embed it. And um, they've, they've created lots of different profiles of different types of learning identities or roles within um, education and context. So digital capability might be different for a learning technologist um, to a student, to um, an academic, although there'd be some crossover, I guess, with certain generic digital capabilities, I guess, they're very unique. And I think that's great that JISC has um, built up a profile of different people who work in education in terms of digital capability. So where was the conference? It was in York, actually. Um, very nice. Yeah, yeah, it was good. I had a, a good walk around York. I went along the walls, uh, checked out York University. Because there's two universities, isn't there? Um, yeah. York, is, it, is it York St. John and there's, there's York University? Quite, um, it's quite a nice place to, to visit, isn't it, York? As you said, the walls and the other historic um, areas of interest. Is there yep. somewhere called the Shambles? There is the Shambles. Uh, I shambled down the Shambles. <laughs> I, did, you did you digitally shamble? No, I just shambled. <laughs> <laughs> is there a way of digitally shambling? It could be a, a, a new kind of way of talking about it. Just, I think JISC um, are currently got this campaign, haven't they, where they're talking about the sticky campus, this idea of the glue. Um, so if, if JISC can have a sticky campus, then we can have digital shambles. Um, so what were the sort of key takeaways from the conference for learning technologists? University of York, um, they've done a MOOC on digital well-being, and it was a short sort of three-week three week course to promote the university, if you like, and that was run by the library there at the University of York. So that was that was quite an interesting presentation. Was that with FutureLearn? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was um, Susan Halfpenny and Stephanie Jesper, and yeah, yes. this course on FutureLearn. Yeah, and it was the second the second MOOC they'd done, 
And what about, was there um, something called getting out of the silo? Yeah, I mean, that was University of Sussex. Uh, it was Suzanne Nathan and Anthony Cummings. And yeah, they were talking about how to kind of improve like digital capability within their university, like staff and students. So they did a kind of a cross uh, university collaborative um, strategy, like, in, which included like events um, and training, training sessions. Uh, and it was, yeah, it was just a really good way to kind of like not just digital capability owned by one person, um, but it was by one department. It was owned by the whole university. So the kind of mm. sessions in the library, but there weren't bachelor's library sessions. And then they got other people to come in and do the um, do the sessions. So like you know, they might have the sort of technology enhanced learning team. Uh, like an IT skills trainer or something, come in, come in and do a session. And it wasn't just a librarian. And he even got students to do them as well, which is really good. Yeah, I think that's quite a powerful model to have um, a kind of student digital champion um, or certainly a digital mentor for opportunity for students to get stuck in. I think that's quite a powerful model. There was lots of different ways that they tried to build this digital capability within this wider project. And one of the ways that they did that was through something called Technology Tuesday. Uh, do you remember what they said about that and what it meant? A week, that was what I was talking about. That was like a weekly thing that was in the library, but it wasn't badged as a library thing. And they said like, I know you, I know you said digital capability, but it was like, you know, that was just what they kind of associated with. It was, it was, it could have been anything, you know, like didn't, it was digital, but it was just about, improving people's skills really um and they had a good set of principles that they kind of used to sort of guide and for them the most important one was probably co-created and co-delivered so that was mm. basically a collaborative approach to um to doing these sessions um so you know have, so having that ability to kind of join up with other departments like that is, is quite powerful i think yeah definitely i think Building digital capability can only really be a collaborative task, um, particularly if it's university-wide. Um, did they have something else where they um, had a, a festival called Digital Discovery Week? Catch as much on that, but because it was kind of right at the end of the presentation, but they did show like a, um, a, a video of one of the sessions where they had a, a robotic. They were building a robotic arm because uh, they've got a maker space, I think, space in, in the library. Wow. So they're building a robotic arm. and uh, So what, what is a makerspace, though, for people? Because it sounds like something that we should know about. But what um, is it? A workshop environment where you can, you've got loads of stuff, like you might have 3D printers or Raspberry Pis, and then you can just make stuff like that might help you. Like, so it's a bit like um, a third space, isn't it? Um, yeah. Between um, kind of formal traditional learning environments and libraries, it's a place where you can go and co-create, I guess. Um, yeah. And it's a digitally enhanced learning space. That's quite exciting, I think. I would think I'm a big advocate of makerspaces. Um, that sounds quite exciting to have these opportunities to add these different types of space into a library. And it kind of challenges what a library is and and it's quite exciting to think about what the future of the space will be i think that's that's really really good with um sussex they've got like 
um, like the School of Engineering or the School of Psychology going into the library to do things like virtual reality or like this making and you know that's getting them out of their building into a central location yes so there's like a physical aspect of it yeah definitely so i think that was the key message there I suppose. And like you said it's a good opportunity for libraries there because they've always been a central place where people like you said the third space where people can collaborate and, and learn from each other um yeah like libraries definitely take advantage of, of these new things it's not all about information it's about creating things as well isn't it absolutely yeah so yeah. for those who are interested in learning technology or draw on elements of learning technology as part of their profession how is it relevant uh, to them do you think the event um yes i mean on a practical level um there was a few different tools showed, like Microsoft Teams and digital badges, um, but it was mainly about the strategic element, like how are you going to kind of assess things. Like there was one presentation, apologies, but I can't remember who it was, but they were talking about using certifications in a creative media course. Uh, so if you're doing like Adobe Photoshop or Adobe um, Premiere Pro and you're doing like, I think it was animation was the course, um, like they were kind of introducing the Adobe certifications and exams as an element of that course. Um, so it was more about the kind of the higher level thinking, if you like, sort of practitioners or sort of people who are interested in like IT um, strategy. It's quite a mixture of stuff. I mean, it was quite big, a big, um, even it was, you know, it was a small, smallish conference, but there was quite a wide diversity of presentations, which was. So it sounds like that it's, um, it, it, it was quite an interdisciplinary kind of wider uh, focus as opposed to a focus on one particular area or a curriculum area. Yeah, no, it was good. I mean, um, yeah, it's a bit like, the, yeah, it's, a, it's it's interesting. I mean, yeah, I was completely new to it. So like, you know, excuse me, ignorance, ignorance, but, you know, I didn't have a clue what your size it was beforehand. Uh, now I know a little bit more, but not that much more. Um, I mean, JISC, because um, there was a discussion about it at the, at the conference, but there is a bit of an overlap with JISC. Um, like in terms of that sort of strategic side to do with um, educational institutions and, and government and things. Yeah, they are in a bit of a niche because of the focus on IT. You know, if you if anyone ever gets a chance to go, it's, it's worth going. I did. I do, do you want my conference survival guide? Yeah. Well, top, 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 three, top three conference uh, tips, I suppose. Well, I mean, the first thing is, like, depending on what the conference is, like, a lot of these were presentations, but if you're going to a lot of presentations, I prefer active stuff. Um, so I tend to kind of maybe do two presentations and then take a break, go out for a walk or something, and then come back. <laughs> so that that's one thing. Uh, second thing, get out, explore the city. Yes. Do stuff. Third thing, get plenty of sleep. 
don't yes. have too much caffeine. That that was a very thorough um, yet ro- robust guide, mini guide, micro guide to survival of conferences. Actually, I think there's a lot in that because yeah. it's quite an intense thing, isn't it? A conference. There's a lot of going on, a lot of knowledge, not a lot of ideas, a lot of discussion. And I think what you said about getting out and getting some fresh air, just to kind of let the the information settle and you can filter out what you can take back into your own organization or think about what you think. Um, I think that's very useful. Definitely. And I think presenters could easily, could definitely have an opportunity. Us, uh, you said, what, how is it being relevant to being those interested in technology? If you know someone who's doing a presentation at a conference, ask them if they're using a learning technology in the presentation. How are they getting engagement from their audience? Because there was one presentation used Paul Everywhere. There was another presentation which used like um, an analog task. But the rest were just straight up presentations. And if you're interested in learning technology, then champion learn technologies and see if this person is using like active learning techniques mm. in their presentation because your audience will remember your presentation more if you do something active i agree totally agree so get them to do a little task or as you say using polling techniques padlet. yeah i agree i mean padlet is, you can't you can't padlet is like so easy you know, just use something like that and, you know, you'll definitely get more a favourable response from the audience if you do that, definitely. Yeah, Padlet's great because you can embed so much media on there now. I think there's a voice recorder on there. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a multimodal kind of mind map, collaborative mind mapping platform. Um, I think, yeah, polling is good if you want to engage like a larger audience. So say if you're in a lecture theatre and you want to get people talking you could get them to vote first definitely polling's been around for a long time but i guess it's it's good still as a a simple technique to get people engaged with what you're talking about and then displaying the results in real time through for example a word cloud or a bar graph or the responses i think that's really really powerful take away like if you need to collect evidence of so for example you do email or something you need to collect evidence of impact of what you're doing with learning technology. Something like collecting a word cloud or like a discussion from like a conference presentation is a great way to submit as evidence for like a portfolio or something like that. So, Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Speaking of evidence, what was this thing that you went to then? This thing, <laughs> this thing was awesome. Well, this thing took place at, um, Microsoft headquarters in Paddington in London um, uh, this week, and um, it was a Microsoft Innovative Educator Expert event, or an MIEE uh, event. And um, basically, there's um, a, a, com- a large international community of um, these experts um, and innovative educators who champion use of Office 365 learning tools. And Microsoft learning tools in general. I think I have spoken very passionately about the immersive reader, for example, I think in our previous uh, recording. Um, So these tools are often things that you can use across um, devices, 
and across tools. So for example, Immersive Reader, you can use that um, in OneNote, you can use it in Word, I think you can use it in the Edge browser, um, and also in Flipgrid. I don't know if you've heard about Flipgrid before. We could do a whole episode on how awesome Flipgrid is. So basically it was a whole um, day's worth of discussion, sort of deep diving on particular areas of these, these tools. Um, Flipgrid, um, there was some um, video, live video from uh, people um, uh, participating virtually um, and also some insights into the latest updates of how um, new things will help in the classroom. What they also really like to do is um, put the spotlight on certain individuals who want to share their best practice or their journey through learning technology using the Microsoft tools. So there were three individuals who presented um, and they actually, um, that was really, really good. That was really, really powerful because you could see how um, the tools had actually made an impact um, on a school, on, a, on student achievement and on individuals as well. So that was really, really good. Then um, there was a VLE workshop. That was quite interesting. Um, so we were looking at how we could use the various Microsoft tools um, as part of a VLE structure. That was quite cool. Um, and the tea and coffee was very nice. Mm. And that's also um, a tip to add to your event or conference uh, list is number four, make sure the tea and coffee is right. Mm. So put your milk in after you've put the tea bag in. Yes. Um, so, yeah, no, that was really, really good. Um, they also had this um, session called the untethered classroom. And I really like this idea of untethered because it's, um, I mean, we, we get excited about using new words in education. Yeah. All the time. But what, what does that mean? Untethered? Does it mean not having any wires? <laughs> Is it a wireless classroom? Is it a virtual classroom? Is it a, a school in the cloud? But yeah, so that was really exciting. Um, and some of the, the ways that Microsoft used AI um, to improve learning outcomes, I thought that was interesting. And that they, they talk a lot about this sort of 21st century classroom, which is inclusive and this wider access, uh, a wider idea of what accessibility is. Um, so all in all, I would say I was quite inspired by the day and what people had to say. So there. Okay, so using Microsoft with, with VLEs. Well, if you think yep. about Microsoft Teams, yeah. have you used Microsoft Teams before? Yeah. Well, there was some discussion of how that could be a DLE or a VLE. I think it's more of a DLE. Yeah. And they're certainly trying to improve that and add more features to it. So I could see where they were trying to go with that. Um, and what makes a VLE? What features do we really need? Um, so we had... There were kind of round uh, tables where we were just discussing that. Um, and I read somewhere about, I read somewhere, uh, there was an article called The Death of the VLE. The Death of the VLE. But as I said this week to somebody, um, I believe that the VLE is like Madonna in virtue of the fact that it constantly reinvents itself successfully. Yes. Yeah, it's it's it, it, it's 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 um you know um there's new integrations, um, new features, partnerships with other um 
learning technology approaches like Turnitin could be embedded, you know, into it. So, and that's that's not even the most innovative example. So I think the VLE is a force to be reckoned with. Yes, yes. And then there's this idea of a DLE, so a digital learning environment. So what's the difference between a DLE and a VLE? Virtual and digital. I mean, yes. virtual's more, if you say virtual, that's more like less descriptive. So that could mean anything because you could have a virtual learning environment in VR or something like that, whereas digital is purely, to me, that, that speaks of more being like just on a computer or something for some reason. I don't know. Does that, what about you? Does that? Yeah, I sort of, um, I sort of agree with that. I, I think it would be useful actually to get a, um, a kind of a robust definition of which one is which, because I think often people use them interchangeably. So that which is digital is virtual and vice versa. I don't know if that's true or not, but it would be interesting to have a little bit of a discussion about the definitions. Um, teams. Ah, right. So it's, oh, it's like Slack or something. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a learning environment, though. It's more of a communications platform. I guess that depends on how it's used. Well, why, why couldn't Microsoft bring out a VLE? Well, they could. Instead of, instead of trying to re, uh, refashion Teams as a VLE or a DLE, which it's probably more DLE, um, they could just bring out using drawing on the expertise of the MIEE um, community to develop a VLE. That would make lots of sense. And they already have a lot of learning tools that they could put inside. For example, Microsoft Whiteboard. That's fantastic. The whiteboard app you can download um, on Windows 10. Um, it would make sense to bring all of it together and develop their own VLE. A lot of institutions embedded in their systems, aren't there? Like with Office, well, with Office, Office 365, which is great because you can create a Word document online and share it, and it makes sense. Um, having said that, um, Google also, you were also able to do that with Google Docs, etc. And they have G Suite, which is more explicitly, I feel, a bit more like a VLE. Yeah. Canvas was really interesting because it had lots and lots and lots of um, customization options and add-ons that seemed to be, seemed to make a lot of sense. But I think even within the digital literacy that a learning technologist has to have, I feel like there's a further part of it, which is like a VLE literacy. Um, yeah. Getting all these APIs to work. Um, you know what I mean? So a VLE, yeah. the VLE is bigger than itself. It's, 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 it's a hard task to get right. Because it essentially is an interdisciplinary, you have, you've got to get it right, interdisciplinary capacity. Um, it's got to cope with all the curriculum areas. It's got to cope with assessment. It's probably going to be a whole student platform, not just with academic content. It would be quite interesting if the VLE could sort of do this dilemma and just kill itself and all of that stuff that you just mentioned, the student could choose where to have it. So if they had Microsoft, they could choose to have the assessments via Microsoft. Do you know what I mean? 
I think it. I think it kills itself and is like a phoenix from the flame all the time. Yeah. Uh, I think, and and I think what you're talking about is essentially student student personalizing the content that they see, which I think lots of the VLEs currently do mm. offer that. So particularly with data and learning analytics. So if you did an assessment on on a VLE and some areas of development were identified as a result of that, they could push through personalized content. And it, it, that wouldn't be a choice, though. I guess that would be um, an academic decision. But what you're talking about there is um, what students see, what mm-hmm. they, they have a choice of what they can see. So I think, I think you're onto something there. So a more personalized view of what people want to see. So, for example, if a student um, needed to see the campus bus times, over and above a student who had a car, they would be able to customize their platform to see the campus bus times. And then the, the, the student with the car could hide them. So that, that's a very crude example. Mm. Yeah, just in the way that, yeah, like, so like, yeah, seeing what content you, can, you want to see, but also how you access it as well. Yeah, so I think students kind of expect now that the VLE would be accessible on a mobile device. Oh, yeah, but, um, yeah, and transportable, definitely. Uh, yeah. So do you think, of, so a lot, lots of people have separate VLE and LMS, but lots of them are integrated. I guess if the LMS is integrated into the VLE, then it could possibly be a platform to provide more personalized content because all of the students' data is oh, and what they put. So the more you put into it, both of those systems, the more you get out. And if they're integrated, it might be more personalized, possibly. It depends, I guess, what tools you choose and how well they're used and exploited. Yeah. Shall we? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no, no, like I said, it's, it's quite thought-provoking, but I can't quite put... Uh, I just can't quite put it into words. Shall we? Because it's half past now. Yeah. So we've been talking for an hour, so we could. Yeah. We could bring that to an end. Oh, oh, oh. Mention. 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 Mention.